Carl Wazinski here. You're listening to the Rising as One podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here with Kyle Mackey. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Dominic. I mean... We have so much to go over today, so much to celebrate, and uh, I mean, people won't believe it, but we did have an episode last week. We did. It's been lost to the shadow realm forever. Um, probably the last time that I ever tried doing a conference call when I'm driving between Heber, Arizona, and Fountain Hills. I don't know how it's possible to have such terrible coverage in a fairly civilized part of the world, but that's how it went down. Um, but yes, we do have a lot to talk about because it happened last week. We won't do too much of the New Mexico stuff. We'll get into it a little bit. Um, but we got a big game to talk about last night, Portland Timbers two hosting Phoenix and it ends five, three Kyle, you saw most of this, right? Yeah. Yeah. I watched most of the game here at home. Yeah. So what were your thoughts on Phoenix's starting 11? There were a lot of switches in this lineup. Yeah, yeah, there was, and I I can go through the lineup. There was definitely a lot of changes. I mean, we see, you know, instantly, and that Carl Wazinski get the start. And honestly, I can't I can't really say that I was too surprised by this. This is kind of one of those games where we've already, you know, clinched the regular season. We pretty much have everything but the total points record wrapped up. So, I mean, to see Wazinet, no surprise there. Um, for me, what was maybe more surprising was who we went with in the center backs. Farrell and Mala get the start here. I mean, we, we've seen it before this season. These guys play together quite well. But, I mean, I really did not expect both of them to get the start. But, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Rick Schantz really went with the rotation, resting a lot of starters here. We had Austin Ledbetter and uh, where, who was our other and, uh, back? Bjornthan. Bjornathan, there he is. I skipped right over him. And Kyle Bjornathan in our uh, left and right back positions. And really, I think both these guys, I've been so impressed by them coming up from FC Tucson this season. I, I think, you know, Ledbetter's maybe been the guy who's featured more for us. But I think both of them, they've really stepped up in, you know, a position that I had a lot of fear in left and right back. We lacked depth. I think, you know, They've really shown something as the season have gone on that now coming into playoffs, I'm a little bit more confident in our defensive line. Um, I mean, yes and no. I don't know if Farrell and Mala is going to be the starting pairing in the playoffs. I mean, I guess what it shows is that we have depth, that we have a lot of competent depth. Um, it's weird because I think for a while we had been talking about, all right, let's put in Farrell and Mala, and then we put them in. And granted, one of the goals conceded isn't really their fault, but three goals conceded, you know. Even if you take that one out, that's still two goals conceded. That's not an ideal performance. So we're still going to have to tinker a little bit these last couple matches to see who our, who our center backs are and what that starting back four is going to look like. I'd imagine next week's starting back four is going to be pretty similar to what we see in the playoffs. I mean, I have to think. I have to think you're right. I mean, Rick Shantz, you know, he knows the Four Corners Cup is on the line, and I think you know we'll definitely you know see a stronger lineup, especially against the Monarchs team that we could quite possibly see in playoffs. Um, so definitely would not be surprised by that. 
I th- I mean, overall, what did you think of the lineup from last night? Were you surprised by it? Um, one thing I was a little surprised about is seeing Ben Spencer get the start up top instead of Adam John. And not only does he get the start, but he makes a great impact. Um, I didn't see Adam John on the 18, and I don't know if he was injured, but it was very weird because this is one of the only times all season where he hasn't been on the 18-man roster. Um, But Ben Spencer gets that start, and we'll get to it in a sec. He made a huge impact on this match. Yeah, yeah. No, that's absolutely. That's one player who, you know, when I saw his name in the starting 11, I said, well, he needs to have a big game. Um, I think, you know, he and he really has. I mean, when you see this kid, what he's done with the small amount of time he's been given, he's came up with some crucial goals. And he did that last night. And yeah, you mentioned, you know, Adam John not being on the bench. And I mean, really, when you look at the substitutes that, that Rick Schantz had, the only, you know, attacking minded player you could really say was John Baccaro. Um, everyone else, you know, Whelan, Musa, Dumbuya, Dia, and Cochran, and Lubin, all, you know, defensive or a goalkeeper. So, you know, very surprising. But I think, you know, Shantz kind of wanted to see what he could get out of these guys against a Timbers 2 team that was hungry. And I think really, ultimately, this is a game that's going to help when it comes to playoffs, when it comes to having some of these depth guys being fresh and, you know, being ready to go when they're going to be called upon. I think you're right. You know, injuries do happen as much as you hate to see it. And so having guys that can perform, um, you know, in a, in a pretty solid match against a solid team, maybe not a playoff team this season, but one that has been at that level for large portions of this season, you know, for us to have reserves that can play at that level, it's it's a pretty nice thing to see. And it, but it does bode well because... You never know what happens in the playoffs. Injuries happen. Last year, Cortez missed the final because he picked up a late knock. 2017, we had a couple injuries mid-game in that first playoff match. And so I think this team is deeper than last year's teams. And this bodes well. So let's, let's get into this right here because it doesn't take long for Phoenix to do what it loves to do more than any other team in the league. Fourth minute. Kyle Bjornthan puts a ball in. Asante just misses it, but it trickles all the way over to Kavon Lambert. He makes no mistake, and we're up 1-0. What were your thoughts on this goal? Yeah, honestly, I mean, I was a little bit surprised to see Lambert, you know, there at the far post. You almost think, you know, that's that's Ben Spencer territory. But, you know, to, for Lambert to be there, get the goal, it's really something that, you know, we've talked about it this is the part of his game that we've all wanted to see him getting into that final third and just a great goal. I mean, he, he puts his long leg out there and just passes it right in the back of the net. I mean, the early goal is what we've thrived on, especially on the road and against a team like Timbers too, that's young. I mean, this is what Phoenix needed. And I think, you know, this is the recipe for success for Phoenix rising. And um, I mean, on the road, especially, fortunately, we don't have to go back on the road, but this early goal really, I mean, it was, you know, what exactly what you want as a rising fan and well-played goal, Jonathan, I really, you know, like that cross in the box, a dangerous ball that, you know, Timbers two team should have cleared it out, but they, didn't and they were punished very dia-esque ball putting it yes. on point in a dangerous spot um yeah 
It was. It was. And I mean, that's that's what I'm talking about with with, you know, the depth of these guys and that we don't see the drop off in in the quality of that ball. You know, other teams, they don't have a guy who's able to do that. So still very impressive for Jonathan, who hasn't had, you know, the biggest impact. But to get the assist there, I mean, you have to say that's, you know, that's good stuff. For sure. So I'm not going to lie. I missed this match live. I saw the highlights and I saw parts of the second half because the second half was just so crazy. But did anything really happen between this and the other goals in the first half? There was, you know, there was a few chances there. Um, Portland Timbers too, you know, right after actually our goal in the fifth minute, there was an attempt by Christian Ojeda. He had a header. Um, it was, you know, a good opportunity, but one that I, I didn't think, you know, was going to do anything, you know, serious as far as score a goal or anything. The one the one chance that I really, really thought that, you know, could have could have done some damage was um, in the 20th minute. Aguinaga has a right footed shot from the middle of the box and he just went over the top corner. I mean, Aguinaga, he's he's I think the one thing in his game that I haven't seen is that top corner finish yet. He's done it in every other facet. His passing is off the charts and his work rate as well. This When he starts finishing these goals, I mean, he's going to be one of those players that another Asante that people are not going to know how to stop him. Yeah, and it's nice to see Aguinaga getting more involved in the attack. You know, early in this season, he, you know, even though this doesn't go in, it seems like he's been more confident in these situations in the second half of the season. And again, another thing that bodes well going into the postseason. Yeah, yeah, he has. And the one thing you know that I that I think he plays best with John Beccaro on the field. So not seeing John Beccaro starting, that was one kind of worry. You know, how is he able to to connect with Kalistri and Lambert in the midfield? But I think he did a great job last night. Um, but moving forward, you know, right after that attempt in the 24th minute, that's when Portland Timbers. Uh, gets their goal to equalize and I mean I know you saw this goal and as a goalkeeper you got to tell me what is what is going on here yeah this is I mean it's a miscommunication between Carl and and uh, Mala here this is no pace really on this ball into the box and I I don't know if Carl just didn't get a good punch or if Mala got in the way, and so Carl thought that he was going to kick the ball, but, you know, it's it's pretty inexcusable. And, uh, you know, Carl doesn't get much on it, and it falls perfectly for, for T2 to equalize this game. I mean, let me put it this way. I think if... Uh, if our if Zach Lubin's in this match, he's at the very least going to get a strong hand on that ball, and it's not going to be trickling right to Giovanni Calixtro for that equalizer there. Um, that that was one of two moments in this match. I mean, even though later in the match it was an own goal from Ledbetter, you know, I think that Lubin is able to get over and make that safe at that point in the match too. So. You know, early in the season, maybe there was a goalkeeper controversy. I think now it's pretty clear, you know, Carl's a great guy and he is capable, but Lubin is very clearly the first choice. And this kind of illustrates it to me there. Yes, yes, that's that's the one thing that I, I 
you know, stuck out to me. And um, maybe not so much on the own goal. That one, you know, was kind of weird, and I could see where he didn't see that one coming. But this this one especially, I think Lubin makes this save, you know, 9.9999 times out of 10. Absolutely, you know, this does n- never happens when Zach Lubin's, you know, commanding the box. And, um, the, you know, this really, it, it was disappointing because, you know, when you get 1-1 early on, this Timbers 2 team, as we said, they're young, they're going to play attacking. You know, even after that goal, they still showed, you know, a, a, almost a lack of respect for our attack and that they, they didn't want to sit back. They wanted to get forward themselves when they got the ball. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, it was game on. I knew that, you know, there was more goals to be had and it was it was really going to, you know, be up to rising on who who scored them. And uh, yeah, I mean, just a complete breakdown. And as you said, when, you know, earlier on Mala and Farrell starting, I think, you know, who, who out of the two who had the tougher night, it definitely was Mala because the, he made a few mistakes and um, a couple of them ended up in some goals. And, and kind of odd because I feel like Mala's had a very strong season in the chances that he's had, you know, prior to this match. Maybe it's just one game, but fortunately for Phoenix, our attack was making no... uh, It was very opportunistic with Ben Spencer up front. So why don't we get to that second goal? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that second goal... I mean, this this has kind of been Phoenix's bread and butter, I think, all season. You have, you know, Joey Calistri and Asante combining out on the right near the the sideline. Kalistri plays the ball to Asante running down the wing, and Asante just gets into the box near the end line and p- crosses a ball. It, it looks like it goes through the Timbers two player's leg there and just falls kindly to Ben Spencer. And I don't know if you saw the Champions League this week where that, oh, what was it, the Bruges player scored against Real Madrid almost stumbling into the ball. Ben Spencer isn't quite stumbling here, but to me it looks like he just gets the slightest of touches and directs this ball into the back of the net. And, I mean, absolutely, we talked about it, Ben Spencer having an impact and needing to have an impact getting the start. And that's the one thing I have to say that, you know, even if, you know, we have some problems with Adam John in playoffs, I think we can be pretty confident with Ben Spencer and the service he'll receive. He'll finish a couple goals each night. Yeah, in his chances, I mean, he's taken advantage of his chances. And I think the uh, what happened here is, he is so surprised that this ball gets through everyone that he at the last second like just puts his foot on it he's like more shocked than anything because you know Asante puts the ball in a dangerous area but you're absolutely right it went directly through um or Ornstill's legs uh the Timbers center back goes right through his legs and Spencer doesn't have a lot of time to respond I mean he's making that run but he sees it go through it's now or never, and he just gets a good, composed left foot there. Those are the kinds of chances that are tougher than they look because it's super easy to be coming into the box and you're expecting the ball to be cleared. All of a sudden, the ball's right in front of you. Super easy to shank those ones over the bar or just miss it completely, whiff on it. Those, Even though he is a professional, he's still expected to score that. A lot of pros miss those chances. So good on Spencer for completing the run, getting in the right spot, taking advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, you see after he takes a touch, he, he goes down and his arm has to support him because he's kind of off balance. 
you know, hitting the ball that way. So absolutely. I mean, a quality finish. And like I said, for this guy, I mean, this is, this is huge. This is what he needs. Um, starting in that number nine role, he needs to get, needs to get his goal and he contributed last night. And I think it's, you know, just going to bode well. And I hope going forward in future matches, he's able to come on as a sub and make more of an impact because I think, you know, the depth we've said it time and time again, is going to be key in playoffs and having depth in that position is going to be just key absolutely um so after this goal again i i see levon or uh kevon lambert gets a yellow card kevin lambert excuse me <laughs> we're still learning here kevin lambert gets the yellow card in the 38th but were there any real chances for either side before halftime you know, there wasn't many chances before halftime. It, that's kind of at the at the point when the game started to get a little, little chippy. As you said, Lambert gets his yellow card, and then there really was a lot of fouls after that. It seemed like the referee was trying to take control of the game um, right before halftime. Adrian DePiz, you'll want to remember that name. He gets a yellow card uh, right at the end of, you know, the first half in stoppage time. And it, it really there wasn't too much, you know, to, to discuss. But for me, you know, going into half 2-1, I was confident that Phoenix was going to come out. But still, it kind of looked like this match was going to take a more, you know, physical approach than than what it had in the first 45 or 40 minutes. But, um, I mean, ultimately, I had to say it, it was a good half for Phoenix. You have the one mistake that... Like we said on another night, we think that that's that's easily saved. So I, I think overall it was a good half. Definitely, you know, to see the two people who scored, um, not the two people who I would have picked to score starting off. I would have thought, you know, Asante or Flanks pick up those early goals. But absolutely, just a great way to, to get into this this match. And I think really, you know, for Phoenix, that's been the key for us. When we're able to start strong, we, and we don't have to wait till late in the match to get those goals to come from behind. It might not be as exciting, but I think for these players, they're, they're able to command the game in a better way. And last night was just absolutely showed that. Yeah. So we, we talk about controlling the match. One way to do that is shortly after halftime, Phoenix expands on this lead. 53rd minute, Jose Aguinaga plays a really great ball into Junior Flemings, and Flemings takes care of the rest. What are your thoughts on the buildup to this goal and, you know, Phoenix's approach out of half? Yeah, I mean, it, this this is, you know, exactly what Phoenix needs to do. There's, you know, 2-1 is not going to be, uh, you know, the way this game ends. Timbers 2 is definitely going to come at him. And you mentioned Aguinaga's pass, and that, for me, is really what makes this entire play. I think Timbers 2 defense is completely caught off by it. You know, they they have two defenders chasing Flemings. And, and, you know, right here, this is what Flemings does. And for me, you know, Flemings had missed his couple of opportunities early on. And, you know, we'd all heard early on throughout the match that he needed one more to hit that 15 mark and to be, you know, part of that 15-goal trio. And I think for Flemings, this this is a big goal. He, he, he talked midweek how, you know, if the team needed him to score a goal, he would. But ultimately, he just wanted to be there. And I think this is the way that, you know, Flemings contributes best. He just takes the pressure off of the entire team and, and does it all himself. I mean, Aguinaga gives him a great pass, but Flemings just, you know, drives through the defense and just makes the goalie, you know, unable to make that save, almost does the near post and goes far post. And I think, I think is you know, just what we 
see out of Fleming so regularly that it's almost like the norm. But really, to make this kind of play as a player, it's it's not as difficult or not as easy as it looks. Absolutely not. You know, again, another situation where it's super easy to take a bad touch and not put the ball on target there. But, you know, he's a Jamaican national. He's cool, calm, and collected there. Big congratulations for 15 goals on the season. Easily a season, or easily his best goal scoring season in USL play. Um, another thing to note with Junior Fleming's, he did get called up by the Jamaican national team, so he will miss our Four Corners Cup match next Saturday. Next Saturday, next weekend is the international break, so a lot of players in uh, the top leagues are all going to be playing around the world for their respective nations. No Premier League next weekend. All the big European leagues take it off. And Junior Fleming's did get called to the Jamaican national team. So we're happy to see him doing things while he is playing for us. But that'll open up an opportunity for someone else next week. Yeah, and I would have to think that would be Kalishri. But yeah, I'd, I did see that um, the other day that he was he was called up for the, that match. And, you know, it, it's not at a great time. But, you know, as long as Fleming's performs well and, and comes back to Phoenix you know, healthy and ready to go for playoffs. I think we can all, you know, be happy about that. Um, but, I mean, we can keep going into this match. I think, you know, right here is where, you know, maybe I, I was a little bit caught off guard. I figured at this point, 3-1, Phoenix is kind of able to, to grind this match out. But then we get to the 66th minute. Junior Flemings again gets a breakaway. And, I mean, really, I was a little bit surprised to see the red card, but but when you look at it with what happened here, I, you have to say that it was rightfully so for DePiz to be sent off. And if anyone says it wasn't a red card, it doesn't really matter because Dispay was already on a yellow card. So even if it's only a yellow card, not a straight red, he's still off the pitch regardless. I think it's a play by the letter of the law. That is a clear goal-scoring opportunity. I don't think a lot of refs actually will make that call. I think a lot of times they'll just whip out the yellow, especially you know when the call would be going against the home team. Now, not much of a home atmosphere there in Providence Park <laughs> for the two-team in town. but No, but I, I mean, I think that's a good call, but... You know, regardless of whether you think it's a red or just a yellow, it is a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Flemings would have been 1v the keeper had there not been a very, very obvious foul there. And you can't do that and get away with it. So, you know, re regardless, he's sent off. It's the right decision. And that works pretty well for Phoenix, at least initially. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what I was going to say is you're thinking at this point, you know, it, it, for me it clearly is a red card by the letter of the law, as you said. Good on the referee to make this call, but you're thinking Phoenix is, you know, up a man, three goals, we got, you know, 25 minutes left, you know, there's, there's you know, definitely more to go. And um, as you said, this, you know, this kind of seemed to be, you know, the nail in the coffin almost, and then we go, you know, four minutes further, and we see this, this goal by... Um, ben Spencer 
And I mean, what a shot here for me. This this by Ben Spencer is one that I was a little bit caught off guard. I didn't expect him to take it as well as he did, but he stays on side and converts that pass from Aguinaga into a goal. And really, I mean, it was almost reminiscent of something that Adam John would do earlier on this season. Yeah. Yeah, I think some credit has to be given to Aguinaga for a really nice assist, playing the ball perfectly, and it slows to a nice roll for Spencer to get a good foot on it, but still, to just one-time it like that, put it right on target. That's definitely a striker's goal there. You love to see it. And that's a brace. And at this point, we're up a man, we're up by three goals. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, no, and and that's exactly, you know, everyone's thinking. And, and, you know, you look here, and actually right after that goal, that's when all the substitutes come in. You have Portland Timbers, too. They sub on Foster Langsdorf for Christian Ojeda, as well as, Caleb Kinnear for Giovanni Calistro, the the first goal scorer there for Portland, and then Phoenix as well. We bring on Amadou Dia for Junior Flemings and John Beccaro for Solomon Asante. So you know a lot of change right after that goal, and then uh, and then when you you know look at it at the USL site, what comes right after that is you know not what any Phoenix fans want to uh, want to see. This goal right here, I mean, this goal, I really think this is a dangerous goal. Close to being offsides. I don't know. I didn't get a good look. They didn't replay it on the broadcast. Would you say this is onsides here, Dominic? You know, I actually would. Um, when you see it, I, and I, I'm fortunate that I have the footage up right in front of me, it just looked like a perfectly timed run by, by Hurtado because, yeah, you can actually stop it too and you can see where the runner is versus where the pass is and it's if it's offside it's by a hair it's definitely not a call that i have many issues with because it was like right there you know i'm not going to be a stickler and say well was his fingertip offsides but you know and and that's something that phoenix should be concerned about is getting caught in those situations i think we haven't been too bad about that this season, but it's certainly something where we can be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. And and, and the one thing I will say is is he's on sides, but he's played on sides by Duigi Mala. And this is where again, you know, Duigi Mala's the last man back and you know, as he as Hurtado scores the goal, he's the one who's just there and, and sat Sadly, I think he's going to take the brute of the blame. Waz is unfortunate to get chipped there. But, yeah, I mean, really unfortunate for Phoenix, something that we could easily be exposed on, you know, playing that high line at times. You know, man, I'm, I'm like, going back. Yeah, maybe he's slightly offsides. But, again, you're absolutely right about if he was on, it was Mala. And, you know, the, the fourth official actually has a really good look on this play. He's looking straight at Mala and at Hurtado. So, you know, I don't have any major concerns about this call. I do have a concern about our, our vulnerability on some of these long balls. The Tacoma game comes to mind as another one where, granted, that call was completely ridiculous, but we still were caught. 
Yeah, and and but that's the thing. I mean, we we can't put ourselves in these situations that we have to always rely on the ref to make the call because we've seen pro referees they don't always make the most uh, most logical call. So you, you know, it's one of those things that you definitely you know if you're you know Peter Ramage in our defensive unit, you have to be wary of. You have to you know see that teams are gonna see the tape on this. They're gonna see that it's a way to catch Phoenix out, and maybe they get lucky. And even if it is offsides the ref doesn't call it so definitely something that we need to work on but you know it, it, at this point it, for two you you can't be too concerned you know phoenix we said this isn't the strongest defensive unit Waz has definitely been prone to goals this year so it, this wasn't the the most eye-raising one but uh the next goal of this match is definitely one that we'll be talking about for a little bit oh gosh i hope we don't have to talk about it much but <laughs> It's uh, we're gonna have to talk about it. Yeah, just, just really like normal sequence out of the back, and Austin Ledbetter uh, gets a little <laughs> bit of pressure on him from Timbers, and so he just, all right, like I not not tremendous pressure by Hurtado either, and he's expecting Waz to be a little bit closer to his own post there, um, so he plays it back. Maybe the ball doesn't come off right, but honestly. I blame this more on Carl than on Ledbetter. How, as a goalie, can you not get to that ball? It's not like he was jamming this ball into his own net. It wasn't like he busted out a world-class strike here. It's a pretty normal speed pass. And I love Carl. But you have to get to that ball. Yeah, and I'm watching the replay right now, and I do agree with you. Waz is definitely out of position when you look at it. I mean, where Ledbetter is going with the ball, and there is actually an incoming player for Timbers, too. And, yeah, I mean, he definitely does not need to be where he is, very far away from that post that Ledbetter sends the ball to. And, it, I mean, really here, it is just a series of two just unfortunate events. Ledbetter, you know, it's unfortunate for him because I think being a young guy, he's going to, you know, get a decent amount of blame along with Carl. But so, to me, actually, it looks like Carl almost gets his foot to the ball. And it goes over his cleat and into the back of the net. Well, he realized that it was going to be a close play. And he was trying to just get a foot to it, get a toe out yep. for a corner. What I think is so bizarre is when Ledbetter has the ball, I played it back at .5 speed. Carl's actually stepping further away from the near post. Yes. Before, and that's what I, yep. before Ledbetter makes that pass. What is he doing there? That's like, what I was talking about, being out of position. I, I don't know what Carl's doing there exactly. When when your defender is facing you with the ball, why are you moving away from him? It, in that situation, you know, in your box, I, I, I don't – I think it's one of those things that, you know, we've we've been focusing on playing out of the back and playing the ball on the ground back to the goalie. And Carl, you know, hasn't been in net for the predominant part of the season. And maybe this is where he just has, you know, a little bit of a brain fart and just – you know, doesn't do what what we've been working on every week in training, and really this goal right here is where you know, as a Phoenix fan, you have to start getting worried because this Timbers two team was completely out of it, and now they have two goals in three minutes, and even though they're down a man, they're buzzing. Yeah, yeah. After that, I mean, and and I'm I'm looking at my phone because I'm out with people, so I I miss this live, but I see that it's. 1-3, I'm like, all right, sweet. Like, we're up 1-3 and we're up a man. That's the last time I checked my phone. 
I check it 15 minutes later thinking, all right, like we're probably cruising to victory. And then I see 3-4 and I'm like, what? And then I see that one of those is an own goal and I'm like, ugh, jeez, that was, that was nervy. After that, I was checking every minute to see the rest of the match. But, uh, <laughs> but thankfully, I mean, Phoenix survived some moments. It looked like Timbers did have a couple chances too before Aguinaga had his goal. Yeah, yeah, Timbers definitely did have a few chances. I mean, you have after that goal, there's there's um, a few fouls in the box, and then Timbers too. Foster Langsdorf has a right-footed shot that just gets blocked out. And then Timbers too also had a free kick shortly after that. For me, that free kick, it, it wasn't anything threatening. What, what really was was um, in the 83rd minute, Harold Hansen had a shot. And it, I, this right here, I mean, it, it goes wide, but I think, you know, a better finish, a player with maybe a little bit more experience puts this in the back of the net. But fortunately, you know, we're, we're still up. And um, at this point, I really like Rick Schant's move to bring on Mustafa Dumbuya for Ben Spencer. Ben Spencer had had a great shift, as you said, already earned a brace. And I think we needed someone to come solidify the defense. And Dumbuya was just the guy to do that. I really liked, you know, that move. It was a little bit less traditional from what we've seen from Rick Schantz, but I think he saw that there was some threat on there on the field. Um, after that, you know, we have we have a few more yellow cards Two for Timber, two players, um, Max Ornstill and Todd Wharton, both get yellow cards. Really, I think the ref, he was just trying to keep control of this match. Last night, there was a lot of almost players pushing their arms out, pushing their arms back into into the opposing player. And, and that was one thing the ref was not having last night. I think there was three yellow cards for offenses in that fashion. And, it, you know, it's something that some refs are going to call, some aren't. It definitely was not getting by last night. But, I mean, really, up until this point, I think Phoenix is in a good position, but it's just going to take one moment. And then when you look at what Bacaro, Kalistri, and Aguinaga are able to create on this play, I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. I, I know you appreciate this goal, Dominic. This was this was a stone-cold stunner to, to finish this match. Aguinaga, who we've really gotten on for not being the best finisher in situations. Well, not this time. This time, he gets a ball from Kalisri, who's pretty unselfish because he could have taken a crack himself to Aguinaga. And this time, Aguinaga, who is often too unselfish, takes the shot, and it's an absolute beauty of a curler into the right corner. No chance for Timbers to make that save. And that's exactly the moment you're talking about. At that point, we're going to find a way. We're going to get over the line. You know, 5-3 with a couple minutes left. It's it's bound to be a win at that point. Yeah, yeah. And I think you see it on the T2 players. I mean, they, they had a little bit of hope at that point. Being down a man, they were going to have to defend and just hope for a quick counter. But to get two with such a short amount of time, these guys had played so much already. I think they, they were absolutely gassed and done. And Aguinaga, I mean, just complete composure. And, I mean, really, for me, this puts him up there in the man-of-the-match conversation. Ben Spencer has a brace, but, I mean, he creates two goals and scores one himself. Really had a great night. And, I, I mean, I just, for me, this is huge to get this guy in his best form right now. He's a player who, coming into the season, I was uncertain of, but he's showed so much promise 
I really, really hope that he's the player Phoenix can retain for next season. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, as you said, at that point, as the Phoenix team, they know they know that the results at hand. They they've done everything they need to do. They just need to play play smart, play out the rest of this match. One the one thing that really bummed me out was I, you probably didn't see it because it wasn't in the highlights. In the 93rd minute, Amadou Dia plays a ball to Lambert, and Lambert's caught offside. But this goal would have just been unreal um, if not for the offsides. It, it, absolute stunner. But, but I mean, over the whole, Phoenix winning 5-3, going up to Portland, getting the job done, last road game of the season. I mean, there's so many positives. The one negative I will say is with his yellow card, Kevon Lambert will be suspended for the Real Monarchs match. That is quite a bummer because I was, you know, a lot of people were, well, he didn't get called up for the Jamaica match. Maybe that means he'll actually stick around Yeah, and he'll be a real help for us. Not that that's necessarily the end of the world, but losing Lambert and Flemings, I think those are two guys that, you know, when you get to the playoffs those are going to be starters and you don't think twice. And that's two. And and the match next Saturday, I imagine we're treating like a playoff match. So we wrap up the points record and then we can play a lot of, you know, rotation guys that last home match against an OKC team. That's probably done. Well, you lose another one of those clear cut starters. That is a bummer. Yeah, it, it is, but I think Baccaro's coming back at the right time. I think, you know, it's it's definitely possible we see Baccaro, Aguinaga, and Musa in the midfield next week, but maybe Jason Johnson starts and, and Baccaro comes in. I mean, there's there's all kinds of possibilities. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a bummer, but I think, you know, it's it's probably a good thing that Lambert will get, you know, a little bit of rest. Rick Johnson won't have any choice. But um, it's definitely a bummer in that, you know, we're going to be missing Flemings. Two key pieces will be out in the next match. But I think, you know, this team has is full of, you know, individuals that are willing to step up and be a part of the collective. So it's uh, it's not going to be a problem for us. Thank you for dropping a collective reference there. I love it. Oh, you know, you know, I got it. <laughs> we, we haven't even gotten to that, that little segment, but... <laughs> Since well, I mean, do you want to move on to that? I mean, we can make that the segue. Yeah, let's let's do that. Before we get into previewing Monarchs, um, you segued my segue. I was going to segue to Monarchs, but let's do the collective <laughs> stuff first. So um, we didn't get to give the audience a New Mexico recap. Um, pretty dramatic match, you know, electric atmosphere. I can say that because I was there. Um you know, definitely some weird stuff going on between the uh, rising visiting support and a couple New Mexico fans. You know, the majority of the New Mexico fans, I would say, were pretty friendly, and it was a very fun atmosphere. Um, a couple of them during the match tried to start stuff. There was one guy, a bald guy, who came up 50 minutes before kickoff and was just up in the face of uh, Justin Viber and... I want to say it was Viber. It wasn't Mike Vanderplas, but it was Viber and someone else that were putting up an Arizona State flag on the uh, front, the front banister of that 200 level, of that section 205. wasn't obstructing anyone's views. There was no message on the flag, like no words that could be considered offensive. But the guy got up in in their faces, was pretty upset about it. And then the security came over, 
and assumed that rising fans had started things, tried to kick out a few people. Um, eventually, they were led back into the stadium right before kickoff. Uh, the whole thing was kind of a mess. Security and Albuquerque PD were there talking to people, and thankfully, no physical contact happened. Um, but that kind of set the tone for a really, you know, fiery match. And then New Mexico goes up 2-0. Very arguably should not have been a goal on the second goal because it looked like Zach Lubin's arm was being pulled down there. Um, but New Mexico gets the goal regardless. A couple calls that I think were missed by the ref. A potential penalty kick shout in the 69th minute when I, when it looked like Junior Flemings was pushed down in the box. That was a no call. A few minutes earlier, he was taken down right on the edge of the box. It was deemed not to be in the box. Pretty 50-50, but you can't be too upset about that. Um, and then, was it a shot? Was it a cross? Doesn't matter. It's a goal for Joey Calistri. And then, um, just a wild sequence at the end where two shots off the bar. But Phoenix Rising does not quit. And a few seconds later, Joey Calistri, the ball falls to him and he rips one in. And that celebration with about 100 away supporters, that was just pure ecstasy. That is, I imagine, the feeling that some people would get if they were uh, using or abusing drugs. But that was <laughs> that was my high right there. That tying goal, this, the like silence and almost like the shrieks of the home crowd because they were moments away from winning that Four Corners Cup. And it just... 100 people up in the top corner going bananas. It was it was great. And then, then the away fans were like, they had their phones out and they were like, or the home fans, they were they had their phones out. They were recording us chanting as we left the building like we were players, like they had never seen anything like that. So that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that match, I mean, was just a highlight for for. Her phoenix rising and i mean really you have to give you know give your credits to new mexico they played a tough match definitely not not an easy place to go and get a point in phoenix you know as you said down to zero gets it done and to do it with that traveling support I, i'm so jealous i was not able to be there i mean just absolute scenes and and what a way to win the regular season championship definitely um the word got through the stands around the 30th minute that Portland or uh, Pittsburgh had won and that had clinched it for Phoenix. And so before halftime, the supporters were doing a, we won the league chant, um, which I'm sure that the local fans were annoyed and or confused by, but Hey man, we won the league. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was great. And I didn't get in there, but a lot of people got to go in the locker room. Solomon Asante invited a bunch of the supporters I think most people listening to this saw the videos of Banditos getting in there. Mr. J giving a speech is all around a great time. And so plenty of emotions were stirred after this match. On Thursday, Josh Suggs goes on... Well, on Thursday the uh, episode airs. Josh Suggs goes on CurseCast, the New Mexico podcast, which they do a great job, by the way. You know, whether you love that team or hate them, it's a good listen. I would I would give that a listen. Um, but Suggs says that he can't stand Phoenix. They are the opposite of what New Mexico is. Phoenix is all about the individuals. 
we're the collective. And in true rising Twitter fashion, we have just taken that taken that quote and just absolutely thrown it in their face. You know, the uh, the individuals manage to score five goals. The collective manages to uh, blow two points at home to RGV. You know, just <laughs> Phoenix Rising's Twitter even too. Phoenix Rising's Twitter even getting in on it. Uh, there were a couple electric tweets. You know, the guys with the <laughs> the collective, a group of individuals that album cover won. That was amazing. Yes, I was gonna say the album cover that's dropping. <laughs> and uh, yeah I mean, dude this i mean honestly um thank you josh suggs because as everyone has said this is bulletin board material this is only gonna fire up our players even more and put a bigger chip on our shoulder um i, I mean it, it's it's really it's funny to hear this um because when you look at what phoenix has done this season we have had individuals who have performed outstandingly, but we also collectively have uh, one of the most successful teams all throughout. I mean, when you look at the, you know, the amount of players who have scored goals and contributed as well, the minutes that all these players have gotten, you know, we've really been a team that, that has, you know, way more than just 11 guys. We've been, you know, 18, 20 guys at times when you count some of these LAFC players and some of these players coming back from injury. So it, it, it's funny to hear. I think, you know, it's one of those things that this this player is maybe a little bit bitter and uh, is is maybe trying to impress his, uh, his podcast fans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. What a what I mean, a great what a great contribution yeah. to the Twitter sphere. This is truly the stuff of memes, and probably a tifo <laughs> next season. Oh, I, I, this yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's every time we play New Mexico now, there will certainly be some chirping about the collective. I mean, there's <laughs> there's going to be no doubt about it. Um, I mean, I, I would expect that there will be some stickers made up for it as well. I would expect nothing less, and hope for nothing less. Um, seriously though, if, if people, I saw somewhere that supporters might have, may have been replacing New Mexico United magnets on cars. If that happened, there's no need for that, but stickers, that's fun. Who cares? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, I wasn't there. I can only, you know, say what I've read, but taking magnets out of people's cars i mean come on we've dealt with that as rising fans it's personal property leave that shit alone but putting stickers i mean that's you know that's what fans do if you're putting them on somebody's car you shouldn't do that but around the the team shop and that kind of stuff i mean i i uh i don't think anyone can be too hard done by that you look at you know casino arizona field there's stickers all over the uh the south end so i i i think you know this is one of those things that's kind of being blown out of proportion but it is what it is. It's banter is banter, so we'll take it. Absolutely, we will. Well, let's move on to uh, a Four Corners Cup match that's actually going to decide the cup because that one did not. Next Saturday, we host Real Monarchs, and this is going to be a pretty great matchup. You know, truly the second-best team in the Four Corners region this season. Monarchs have been extremely hot of late. You know, they had a very slow start to the season, but... I would say since June, they've been a top three or top four team in the Western Conference. They've made it up to 
I think right now they're in fifth or sixth in the Western Conference. Right now they sit in sixth place, but they do have at least one match in hand on the teams ahead of them. They have a real chance of getting up to fourth place. And so they're going to be coming into our match with a lot to play for. They're one of the only teams in the league that still has four matches left. They uh, they play three of those at home. This is going to be their only away match to close out the season. And they've, as I said before, come in winning three of their last four matches. They've been scoring a bunch of goals. They haven't been shut out since July 20th. So this is an attack that you have to watch out for. Um, I, you know, as much as I love the uh, clean sheet promotion, it'll be difficult to get a clean sheet against this Real Monarchs team. And it really starts with uh, their talisman up top. Um, I mean, not, I mean, Michael Chang's there, but dang. Are you talking uh, Douglas Martinez? Yes, I am. I was, I was trying to find yes. their starting 11 for a recent match and he actually wasn't in it, so. Yeah, but he wasn't. He didn't play. He wasn't even in the eighteen last night or last game. I mean, they didn't play last night. And now I'm starting to wonder if he. I mean, assuming that he plays, because you have to assume he plays, unless there's something that we're not aware of and he's injured or something. I, I actually haven't seen him in the lineup the last few matches. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure, and i mean we can we can get into it the one thing for me that i think bodes well for rising is um when you look at you know monarchs they actually play i think it's this wednesday against orange county in a match that's number six versus number five i, I really i i think you know as from the monarch standpoint they need to play their stronger 11 midweek against oc take points away from them and try to move up in the table um, so really, I'm going to be interested, you know, to see who plays midweek for them because maybe we have a bit of a weaker lineup. I think we're an opponent that, you know, Four Corners Cup is on the line, but for Monarchs, they're focusing probably on just making playoffs right now. Um, it's really, you know, going to be interesting. They have two matches in, you know, less than a week. It's it's going to be, you know, very interesting to see. I, I don't know if Martinez is still, as you said, with the team. He's a player who he could, I guess, move up to um, Real Salt Lake side, who's competing for. They're actually in the playoff spot right now. Um, it's it's also worth noting he has made a lot of appearances for the Honduras, uh, like U twenties, U twenty one. So I don't know if he would potentially get a call up for the national team. Um, he's he's played at the Pan American Games. When he does play at the USL level the dude can ball out. He has 15 goals and 6 assists in 20 matches played. He had he had one match like a month ago where he scored 4 goals in a match. Um, so the dude is absolutely their leader. However, whether Martinez plays or not, this is still a strong lineup. They can still score. They still have guys like Michael Chang, like Brooks Lennon that they can call on, Justin Portillo, who's been a Monarchs veteran, and Monarchs have kind of had Phoenix's number the last couple of years. Phoenix Rising, prior to beating them this season, had not beaten them, you know, since before they were Phoenix Rising. Um, and I don't believe Phoenix Rising has not beaten Real Monarchs in our current stadium. Because 2017 was a 1-1 draw where uh, the legend himself, um, oh gosh, 
why am I blanking on him now? The uh, the iconic Mexican dude. It was the one goal he scored. Oh, Omar Bravo. Omar yeah. Bravo, the one goal his he one, scored. Like, his one memorable goal. <laughs> was in that 1-1 draw in 2017. And then we lost a really tough 1-0 home match to them in 2018. A match where Portillo got a great goal on the breakaway. And uh, they just had a very strong performance and Rising was a little wasteful. So this is no easy match. That being said, you have to feel confident that with a first-team lineup, minus Flemings and Lambert, we're going to find a way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was trying to look to see if Martinez was, in fact, called up to the Honduras side. I haven't found anything. But, I mean, this match, this is, you know, as close to a playoff match as we're going to get. We're going to be at home. We're going to have a team that's, as I said, vying for a playoff spot especially depending on how Wednesday goes for them. If they lose against OC at home, they're going to need a result against Phoenix. The Four Corners Cup is on the line. If they win, they win the cup. I mean, there's a lot coming into this game. I I like it in that, you know, this is a good preview for Phoenix to see how playoffs is going to be, that atmosphere, you know, just the the level of play on the field. But it's going to be a game that these players are going to have to be ready for. But I think Rick Schantz is aware of that. I think that's why we did see the rotation we saw in Portland. But, I mean, this is going to be, as you said, historically, we have not played well against them. I really think this is going to be one of the tougher matches of the season at home. I mean, this, this you know, could be a game where, you know, we could end up with a draw. And I, I believe if we do draw that New Mexico will still win the Four Corners Cup. Is that correct? That is correct. And, you know, if it comes down to the last... 20 30 minutes with this score being leveled i imagine both teams are going to start throwing the kitchen sink because a draw doesn't do us good at all we're going for the usl points record in addition to four corners cup and a draw doesn't do them much good too they're like pretty solidly in the playoffs they're more looking for top four and to get top four they're going to need wins not draws so i mean and, and they're they have a bit of a cushion over the seventh place team in the Western Conference, so that doesn't really come into play. And actually, Austin Bold's level with them, but they do have a match in hand. I think it's more likely that they're going to be fourth place than seventh place. And so, this could be a really fun, maybe not open at the start, but the second half of this game I expect to be bonkers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a lot to play for, as you said. They will be pushing... For a home playoff match, I know they've been a lot better at home than they have been on the road. And you know, Sacramento and Orange County are just above them. It's it's within their reach. Their level, or no, they're two points behind. But with a match in hand on Orange County, who they play coming up, and another match in hand on Sacramento, two matches in hand. So yeah, I mean, it's all there to play for for them. And I think, as I said, I think the result midweek might dictate the lineup we see in Phoenix, but. It's going to be a tough match regardless. They're a team that's playing for maybe a bit more than we are, but I think, as you said, if the match gets late, Phoenix has this cup that we're going for. We definitely are going to need to push and throw the kitchen sink at them, and I I hope that it, it doesn't get there, but if it does, it's going to be a hell of a good time to watch. Should we do a score prediction? Because I think I think I got one. Yeah, yeah, you go first then if you got one. I think this will be 3-1 when it's all said and done. 
but this could be a 3-1 where it's closer than the score indicates. I think this could be a match where Monarch scores first or it's 1-1 going into halftime. Um, at the very least, it'll be 2-1 and they might have a chance or two to tie it that scare us a little bit. And then we kind of put it away with an insurance goal in the last 10, 15 minutes. But I think that they can give us issues. However, their defense has struggled to shut teams out. And, you know, with Phoenix's attack, that means we're going to score goals. I would expect a minimum of two goals. And I, I think we can get three. I think we'll get a penalty. We actually haven't gotten any penalty kicks the last few weeks. Um, I think that will happen for us at home in front of the uh, supporters so i'll say 3-1 and a big way to finish the you know usl points record and winning the four corners cup yeah yeah i i you know that sucks because because three ones actually <clears throat> sorry that's the scoreline i'm kind of thinking too because I mean, when you look at this Monarchs team, their last two losses have been when they've they've been three one results actually when they've only scored one goal both to LA Galaxy and to RGV. So I think if if we can do three one, I think I'm going to go with that for my prediction as well. To, not to be bland, but I think that's the magic. I think right there, if we can hit that number, I think Monarch struggles. Um, and, and really, I think we're able to get it. And yeah, if we can celebrate the points total and the four corners cup. And then, you know, still have the last match of the regular season to play. I think it's it's going to be great. And really, I think that's, you know, the ideal perfect result for Phoenix. And I think, you know, we're fully capable of getting it. Um, but there's going to be a lot of work to be done next Saturday. Definitely. Um, Kyle, do you have any time to go over USL scores and standings? or? Do yeah, you have to yeah get we can do it real quick. All right. No, we can go over it real quick. All right. So we will get through that. Don't want to waste anyone's time too much. But there were some crucial USL scores this week. I mean, we're really getting down to the end. Every match matters. And uh, the one that just jumps off the page for me, I was really curious about this match. Las Vegas hosting San Antonio, a humongous match for both teams. San Antonio been maddeningly inconsistent this whole season. But Las Vegas gets it done at home. They get a 4-2 win. Unbelievable result for them. Irvin Parra gets a brace. This puts them level with San Antonio on points. If you had told me that on October 6th, by the time you guys are listening to this, October 8th, 2019, that Las Vegas Lights and San Antonio would be on the same number of points, I would have asked what you have and can I get some off you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this is insane. And, and to be honest, I didn't realize that when I watched the, you know, the highlights from this game. But I mean, it, this match matters so much to, to the playoffs and to where these teams are going to finish. And, and you mentioned their level on points. These guys are level on their results as well. 11 wins, 13 losses and eight draws for each of these teams the only difference is san antonio has a plus four goal differential las vegas lights a negative six but i mean just insane and for for las vegas lights to get the win i mean this is huge this puts them right in that playoff chase they're up a game on new mexico but only out of playoffs by one point i mean they're right there now you have to say with with san antonio it could be either one of these teams who are able to to somehow find their way into the playoff picture 
Um, I mean, a very big win and something that you have to say, it's it was very impressive. San Antonio, you know, hasn't had the season we expected, but Las Vegas Lights, I think they've performed fairly well, you know, for the team that we saw coming into this season. It, it was, you know, a team that I was a little bit unsure of. A um, couple other notes on this match. Brian Gomez, check this goal out. If this goal isn't a USL Goal of the Week finalist, I don't know what they're doing because this dude put the Vegas defense on skates. It was one of the filthiest megs I've seen this entire season. And then he had the composure to bang it in. However, San Antonio gets a red card late. They will miss Frank Lopez for their next match. That is not a dude that you want to miss when you need results at the end of the season. He scored a penalty kick for them in the loss. Yeah, yeah, that that I think right there is a huge loss for them. He's a player who we've seen him in Phoenix. I mean, he is very dynamic on the ball. Their penalty kick scorer, as you mentioned, um, he's going to be a, a big miss, and it, it's you know they're going to have to find a way to cope. That's the one thing I think that's plagued Sacramento or San Antonio this season is they've a lot of their attacking talent you know has either underperformed or they're just having discipline issues or just inconsistency. That you know this team they they have you know all the players there they just haven't been able to get the results that they've wanted. No, they have not. Another team. That has not gotten the results they've wanted. OKC Energy traveling to Orange County in a must-win match. Kyle Highland picks up a red card in the 43rd minute, and OKC already being on the defensive goes into full park-the-bus mode. It does not work. Harry Forrester scores in the 53rd. Joe Miko scores in the 75th minute. Orange County gets a 2-1 or 2-0 win, clinches a playoff spot, and Orange Oklahoma City Energy finishes this match with zero shots i thought that was a typo how do you finish a match with zero shots yeah i mean it's one of those things that it's i mean you almost as a coach you don't know like how to how to respond to that do you just drill into them like it's it's there's no excuse for it because um i mean especially in a match like this to where you know, they're down a man. They need to, you know, start taking shots just to get themselves back in the game, get an opportunity. And as you said, they don't. They park the bus. And against the OC side that is talented with, you know, a lot of attacking-minded players, they're just not going to be able to repel every single attack. And, you know, it, it really was, I think, for OKC, just a match that it's so disappointing. And it's it's gonna, I think it's going to, you know, ultimately come down to when we do play them they might have no hope in this playoff race. Um, and this match will be, you know, one of the reasons why. All right, here's a two-pack of home teams with disappointing results. You pick one, I take the other one. New Mexico United finishes with a 1-1 home draw against RGV. And Fresno, with all the recent news that's been swirling about their future, drops a 4-1 home loss to Tacoma. Oh boy, oh boy! I mean, you can go New Mexico. You're, uh, you know, you've been our infield correspondent for them. I mean, sure. I, I, I definitely saw the highlights on this one because this is one of the matches on my personal Twitter. You know, two weeks ago, I I gave some tongue-in-cheek USL betting picks. I'm not confident enough to throw anything on them. They worked out perfect. And so I tried again, and the one I was strong on is New Mexico bouncing back with home win this week. 
that did not happen. Um, RGB <laughs> goes ahead on a Carlos small penalty, and quite frankly, they should have been ahead before this penalty. They had the better chances in the first half. Um, one chance in a 1v1 situation that Small just missed to the left. He needs a score there. Um, and then another chance just missed. I think Mizell made a great save. But RGV goes ahead. Sam Hamilton gets a header to tie it. Everything to play for in the second half. Kavon Freider comes on as a sub and puts a great effort on target. It was goalbound. But uh, the RGV keeper just gets a fingertip to it, and it goes off the bar. That would be the closest chance for New Mexico to go ahead in this match. RGV actually had a couple chances late, including one free kick that hit off the top post. So it finishes 1-1, but, I mean, it's not even really a match you can say New Mexico was clearly the better team and just extremely unlucky. They could have very easily lost a match to a team that has nothing to play for. At home. Yeah, yeah, that's abs- that's actually my one point. You know, I watched the highlights on this, and and really, yeah, I I think New Mexico has to feel fortunate here to get the point because, as you said, I mean, RGV had so many chances they could have easily finished this match. New Mexico, unfortunate as well, that Kavon Freider chance, um, great save by the keeper there. But yeah, I mean, this this match could have gone either way. I wouldn't have been surprised if either team would have came way with all three so for them i mean new mexico really i think this is such a bummer for them and that they drop points because they need as many points as they can right now it really looks like it's going to be you know a long road on the playoffs for them they're going to be on the road it seems and that's the one thing i think that works against them they have a great home field advantage if they're on the road i don't know that you know they're as tough of an opponent they will give teams difficulty but i think late in the match they're definitely susceptible to goals true and then take me through this fresno tacoma result i mean dylan gets a brace and i feel like tacoma's been a little bit more spunky later in the season but what the heck yeah, I mean, it, there, you know, there's no team more dangerous than a team with nothing to play for, it seems. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, Justin Dillon it just it makes, you know, something out of nothing, wins a ball with his head, outmuscles the Fresno player. It looks like the Fresno defense thinks there's going to be a call and, and just makes a move on the ball and curls it into the far post and opens, opens up the scoring in the 30th minute. And I think for Fresno, you know, they've definitely, they've dropped, has it been two or three games now that they've lost? Three straight since they three beat straight. us. Three straight. Yeah. So, I mean, for Fresno, I think their fans a little bit at this point, they got to be a little bit concerned. Tacoma's a team that we saw when we played up there, you know, they're able to, to, man up when they need to and play in these difficult circumstances and i really i think for fresno this is a team they underestimated thinking they were going to get you know an easy win and out of it um i will say in the 50th minute fresno has a shot come off the crossbar that i think on another night it finds the top left corner and uh, levels at one one in the 50th minute but I mean, for Tacoma, they just they just keep coming at this Fresno team, and it's it's again Justin Dillon who gets his second goal. And at this point, I think if if you're Fresno, I mean, you have to be wondering what is going on. You know, in the 64th minute, they're down 2-0 at home. Um, it seems like you know since they've clinched the playoffs, since they've beat Phoenix, um, they've really you know kind of fallen down the mountain. And, and for Fresno, you know, with all this controversy going on around them, and is the team even going to be there next season? This this isn't the results you want to see. 
Um, and, and it just keeps coming. In the 69th minute, another goal for Tacoma. So we're at 3-0 now. And then in the 75th minute, Tacoma gets their fourth. Um, it really, what it looked like for me is these Fresno players just almost gave up on their defending. They just were out of position and just not even trying. Four guys covering one player, leaving everyone else wide open. Um, the one thing that they're able to get is a late consolation goal off a set piece, a header in the 83rd minute to make it 4-1. But, I mean, for Fresno, this is a night to forget about. And they'll they'll just be looking to, you know, learn lessons and move on. And it really, I mean, it's it's crazy to me that, you know, they're kind of doing this so late in the season. Um, I, I wonder if, you know, maybe they stumble and fall to that third. Probably not to the fourth spot, but, but I mean, it, it is definitely possible, I think. Yeah, I think the one thing that works in their favor is just the math. There's not really yes, enough matches. Yes, the matches remaining, there. exactly. Um, but speaking of matches remaining in our in our Western Conference roundup, um, we don't have to spend as much time on the remaining matches. Los Dos, uh, they've been in good form of late. That does not happen against Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs only puts three shots on target out of their 20 total. But goals from Matt Hunley and Saeed Robinson give them a 2-0 win. Um, that can be a difficult place to play. You know, Phoenix managed it pretty well this year. But Colorado Springs gets a badly needed win just for morale. And maybe the news that they're bringing in Alan Koch as the head coach, that's going to be a huge thing for them next year. I imagine they're going to be actually making some investment in players with the new stadium coming soon, yeah. with a big name coming into town. It's good to see. I think these are brighter times for Colorado Springs fans than we've seen in a few years. Um, Absolutely. I think the Four Corners Cup is going to be quite competitive next season. Yeah. Um, Reno and El Paso draw nil-nil. Just another strong result for El Paso, who had a humongous midweek 2-1 win over Sac Republic. El Paso actually with 23 shots in that match um, and 9 on target, so a little unlucky to get the win. But this team is just chugging along. I swear I can do these puns all day. But seriously, their defense, (laughs) they have been putting the clamps on the opposition. Um, It's, you know, red signals for the opposing attack. They're in eighth place right now, but they have three matches still. And I believe at least two of those are at home. So this is a big opportunity for El Paso to finish the season strong. They host Austin Bold. They host Timbers, too, who shouldn't be playing for much. And then Los Dos, they travel out there for their final match. Could be very interesting, but none of those matches, they're going to be prohibitive underdogs. I mean, if El Paso if El Paso plays their cards right, they could finish in fourth place. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that. I mean, the math... The way, you know, looking at it, they have nine points. And I can I can really say, you know, nine points is possible. I would think more, you know, seven points is maybe a little bit more realistic given the two matches at home. But um, I, I think, you know, it's all to play for for them. And and if you do have to go to El Paso and play in the playoffs, it's, it's not going to be a fun place to play. I can tell you that. No, I imagine the atmosphere would be especially electric if they end up hosting a one-game playoff. Um, other USL matches, you know, there weren't too many. Sacramento had a tough match in Tulsa. They go up 2-0. Tulsa fights back. They've been another one of these teams with a little bit more fight late in the season. But 
Kamiwasa Killer Cam comes through in the second half in the 59th minute. Sac Republic keeps pace, gets a 3-2 win, takes care of business in a week where some teams didn't take care of business. And no Western Conference results on Sunday. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, so we'll, Sacramento, I mean, that's a huge result for them, I think. Um, win when they need it the most. I mean, they haven't won in their past four games. So they definitely were past three before that. So they definitely needed to get back in winning ways. Yep. So we'll run through these standings and then get to final thoughts and get this thing done. In first place, we got Phoenix with 75. Second place, we got Fresno with 56 points. Reno with 54 points in third. Sac Republic, Orange County are both on 48 points. Orange County actually has a match in hand, so they are looking pretty good to get the fourth spot. In sixth place, Real Monarchs with 46 points. They still have four matches left. Only team in the league with four matches left. In seventh place, Austin Bold also on 46, and El Paso also on 46. In ninth place, we have Los Dos with 44 points. In tenth, New Mexico really, really keeping the door open for Las Vegas and San Antonio here. Only on 42 points with three matches left. San Antonio and Vegas both with 41 points. They only have two matches left each. Timbers 2 and OKC both on 38 points. And uh, both looking like we can we can say that they're done chained. I, I don't think either of those teams really has a chance of making it. And then, of course, RGV, Tulsa, Colorado Springs, Sounders, all mathematically eliminated at this point. Any uh, any final thoughts from this week? I mean, definitely some you know interesting results all around. Um, Sacramento and Orange County, you know, got it done. As did El Paso. I think that you know that's a really big draw for them to be able to get you know a draw at Reno keeps them you know relevant in that you know race for the top you know five. Um, I I think all around I think you know Phoenix, we bounced back. I'd have to say with you know our our reserve lineup with you know not the guys that you would expect week in and week out and it's it's a big win um in that it's the last one that we have to get on the road this season from here on out you know we're in friendly confines gonna be at home on our own field and everything is left to play for for us i mean we've gotten you know some great records some great achievements but we still have two trophies to go out there and win yes and uh the first one we'll be able to get next Saturday potentially 7:30 kickoff at Casino Arizona Field get there early get loud i know it's not a dollar beer night but this match matters a lot more than most um all i got to say is this this finishing stretch of the season is kind of lining up perfectly i'm happy that we lost when we did because it didn't happen in New Mexico and it kind of lifted a weight off the guy's shoulders. Then we fight for a tough draw in New Mexico. I think those, I think that result built a lot of character. And then this one, you know, we get back on the win column against a team that we've had their number lately, Timbers 2. And now we have it all set up so that if we take care of business against Monarchs, we can give our starters an extra week of rest, essentially giving them a bye week which is almost unheard of at, in USL. 
Um, and that's going to give us a, even more of an advantage going into that first-round playoff match than any other one we would have. I love it. I, I think if we can get that win over Monarchs, that would be such a perfect setup. And then we can, you know, give Carl one last match in net and give some of the guys a chance to get some tape out there. I think that would be a really, really cool way to end it. Absolutely. I'm with you 100%. I think, you know, yeah, this this match against Monarchs, it, it's it's not going to be dollar beer night, but it's going to be the pregame $2 beer night. We're going to have, I think, just as good of an atmosphere. There's going to be a lot on the line. And and as you said, I mean, there we need to play our starters and then get them that rest. Even if, you know, some guys start against OKC, I expect, you know, only to see them out there for maybe 45 minutes um, just to keep them fresh it's perfect i mean rick shots you have to think i mean he he could not you know have planned it any better to be in this situation he's very fortunate most coaches you know are not getting to deal with this in the run of play into the you know end of end of the season into playoffs so I, yeah i mean i really you know have so much anticipation we've been you know away from casino arizona field for quite some time now that uh, i'm i'm ready to just get out there and get back home same here um, and I think that's a great way to end the show. Um, good to get back on the show, getting an episode out for all the listeners. Um, we'll see you all out on Saturday, October 12th, 7.30 kickoff against Real Monarchs. Let's get that Four Corners Cup and clinch the all-time USL single season. Uprising. Uprising. Rising is one podcast is sponsored by the Arizona Sports Complex, home of the North Phoenix Soccer League, Summer Futsal, Box Lacrosse League, and Summer High School Advanced League. Please visit the Arizona Sports Complex and tell them the Rising is one podcast sent you. This episode is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items. Just yourself and your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price from other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks also to the Beautiful Game Network and all the other excellent podcasts that you can find covering soccer and all things USL. (laughs) 